Welcome to the Todd Z Zcast, everybody. My name is Todd Zalkins, recorded live here in Long Beach, California, where we talk about a little bit of everything, a little bit of recovery, a little bit of this, that, and the other. Some things relevant and highly irrelevant. We're here to share with you what's really going on. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Z-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Zalkins, and I am thrilled to be here at Michigan State University, home of the Spartans. And I'm hoping you guys can hear me okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna let uh, our, our sound engineer, Don, know here if we have an issue. And it's not Don's fault, by the way. I am I'm so happy to, to be here in East Lansing, Michigan, and I'm joined with, to my left or to your right, I've got my buddy, Ethan. What's going on, Ethan? Hey. <laughs> I got Taylor over here to my right, which would be to your left, something like that. I'm getting it all confused, but I'm um, I'm here at East Lansing, Michigan. We have a screening of the film tonight at 5:30, and Taylor over here has been kind enough to uh, to set this thing up with with his cohort partner in cr- crime, Don, uh, who's behind the camera, behind the scenes. I don't think we're going to hear too much out of her. She thinks she's she's taking the uh, you taking the fifth. Good yeah. morning. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for, for putting this on and uh, looking forward to being with you all, with you all later on. Uh, before we get started, today's program is brought to you by Roots Through Recovery, one of the finest treatment centers that I know of here in Long Beach. And they are an extended care facility for addiction and mental health. Give Roots Through Recovery a call at area code 562-473-0827. Roots Through Recovery, love, connect inspire and thrive last but not least but we have two more actually the program is also brought to you by as high as i am the finest surfwear brand located in central california moro bay to be exact if you want some uh, free surf wax that's going to cost three dollars go see my buddy michael lopaka jones who's the owner of as high as i am moro bay california and uh where do you get this program started what do you think awesome let's do it so you guys, thanks for taking the time to uh, to be on Facebook Live and to ultimately be on Spotify and iTunes. A bunch of people are going to hear you. Is that all right? Sounds great. Of course. Yeah, thanks for coming. Did you guys know that Magic Johnson listens to this? Does he? No, he doesn't, but I want him to. I want him to. I'm a big Magic Johnson fan. Did you hear that, Magic Johnson? <laughs> um, I'm, I, I love Michigan State, and, and I think I shared with Taylor earlier why. Uh, I got a bunch of friends back home who aren't going to like this, but they know that I'm a UCLA fan and I have a big problem with USC. So years ago, um, Lorenzo White, who was a running back for, for Michigan State, had a, had a field day and they upset USC in the Rose Bowl. This goes back a long, long time. And, and because of Magic Johnson and Lorenzo White, I'm a huge fan of Michigan State and the Spartans. So with that being said, I, I want to talk a little bit with these gentlemen and, and we're going to hear a little bit about their stories. And man, I'm telling you, it, it, one of the coolest things for me to see when I'm doing these college uh, recovery community uh, sessions is that I'm meeting all these students who are killing it in sobriety. They're just having wonderful, full lives because of sobriety. And um, and you guys are great examples in, uh, of, of sobriety and recovery. So we're going to we're gonna kick it off here with my buddy Ethan and, and wrap with him for a second. Ethan, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am great. Yeah, we were at the we were doing this event last night at this uh, monument esque thing on campus called the Rock. We we're painting that uh, in support for this event that we were talking about earlier for the movie screening. That was going until about like two a.m. last night, no, like one, and that 
that was a lot of work, but I'm still here this morning, and you know, it was a lot of fun last night. So I like doing events like that with this organization, just because it shows that you can really still have fun with recovery. Dude, so. you, you pulled a sober all nighter almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got respect. Want some of my coffee? I'm good right now. But Let me ask you a question. Are you comfortable? Yeah. I'm glad that you're comfortable. Sure. See, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. It's a common theme that we have on the show. So you're good. Yeah. I love it. See, I know, I know Taylor's comfortable. We're going to get to him in a minute. And uh, I want to I congratulate you, Ethan, on, on your recovery. And, and you mentioned to me before the show that you've been sober for a little over a year. Yep. Give me some right here. Yeah, thank you. I'm stoked for you. Thank you. What, what brought you in to recovery, and, and what, what made you want to get sober, or did you realize you even wanted to get sober? Can you share with us a little bit about uh, yeah. your experience? Yeah. So um, there were multiple times... Um, like in my active addiction, where there were just common sense signs of, you know, it's time, it's time to stop. Um, but the nature of addiction is just kind of that you just deny these signs or that you pretend they don't exist and you just kind of move past it. Um, but I, I just didn't. So what happened is after about a year of drinking, I didn't really have that long of a career with it. But I got in an accident on my moped, actually, while I was driving around campus, and I blew a point two one nine, and I... You were drunk. I was very drunk, <laughs> and, and I crashed by just, like, simply falling over on my moped, but I dug my chin to the pavement, and I got pretty screwed up. Uh, got sent to the hospital, and I was there for a while, and it was just all this blur, and... Ended up having to get stitches in my chin. It was an entire ordeal. Um, I, I really got screwed up physically, but like the mental wounds afterwards of that all was pretty significant too. Um, the frustrating thing was like I thought that that was it after like you know getting out of the hospital, but um, it was it was really not. Uh, I ended up facing like quite a bit of legal repercussions for that. Um, luckily, they didn't totally throw the book at me, but I got some probation. I had to go to this outpatient program, um, and that that was really what helped me personally, um, just kind of being encouraged by the legal system of just, you know, stop this train wreck right now before it gets any worse, just because it's, it's not worth it. Well, this is... This is really interesting to me in that, um, first off, I, I love, I love the, the transparency and the honesty that you're throwing out there. Mm -hmm. What's super cool is that you identified really early. I mean, obviously you both did, and, and we'll get to Taylor in a second, but dude, I mean, for, for you know, you, you had a year of, of doing what you were doing, yeah. and an incident that occurred said, you know what, I gotta make some changes. Yeah, I mean, it was really just crazy with how quickly everything ramped up. And when you're in active addiction, you just kind of, you don't realize what's kind of happening. Because I had my first drink at like a frat party in August of 2016. By that December, I ended up getting um, alcohol poisoning and going to the hospital. And then in the July of that following year, I had the accident. So it's just this crazy timeline in which, like, not even, there was more than just alcohol, too, in terms of drugs, and it just, it, it was crazy about how I had this perfectly sober and, you know, good 
high school experience, but as soon as I got to college, it just got out of hand really quickly. You're a lot smarter than me. You want to know why? <laughs> why is that? I, I, I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you and and the crew who's listening why you're tremendously smarter than me. Because I had to drink and use for about another 23 years on top of that. Yeah. And I just, this is such a great message for young people. You know, uh, some consequences brought brought Ethan in and you, you know, realizing, you know, something's got to stop. And, and so you've stopped and you're, and, and now are you, are you active in the program of recovery? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do various like 12-step work, but I also, um, I really try to, view recovery as a really holistic picture of just like not only is it 12 check programs for me personally but it's also just interacting with other people in sobriety doing um you know extracurricular work on campus such as like the uh collegiate recovery community and the club that we have on campus called the travelers club can you talk a little bit about that for a second yeah about the stuff that's rocking here on campus yeah so the travelers club is um kind of this peer support network um, that has all sorts of social events and then there's a lot of service opportunities with that too. So it's really tough because it seems like in college there's two kinds of people, those that are either like pretty damn sober or those are that are like really, really into the party scene. And when you're not into the party scene, you kind of feel like an outcast. So Travelers Club has really helped me personally to just kind of like still feel welcomed on this yeah. campus. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing that, that you know, CRCs, and there's over 170 of them uh, across the country. I love what you just said, is that you've got a place to go where there's other, if you want to call it, you know, people, like-minded people or people who are just doing something different, right. and therefore, you know, you're not alone, right? right? And, and, and does that give you a sense of, uh, well, we talked about discomfort a while ago. That makes you comfortable knowing that you've oh, got yeah. some friends who are sober and, and just having a really good college uh, uh, experience, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, in my first few months of sobriety, I was really, I was really depressed in the fact of, like, man, the only thing that kind of got me through the hardships that I had, like, in college was drinking because, like, unlike people, I can just always – I can – get a drink whenever I want and then I can like black out and that's that but you know that's not really that's not sustainable and you need to have like a better life than that I mean we deserve better yeah so how do you how do you look at um, how do you look at sober life on campus you know obviously you're you're looking through a different different set of uh, eyewear now that you're sober mm-hmm. right and are you, do you embrace it? Is it scary? Or are you, you know what, are you just like, you know what, I'm sober, I'm stoked that I'm doing this, and it's just better. Uh, what's your take on, on that? I mean, it's it's kind of a balance. I mean, I'm going to be very honest. Like, there's times where I look at, like, people partying or people going uh, to tailgates and things like that, and I'm like, you know, a part of me messes that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you got to keep rolling the film because there's there's these moments where I remember like man that party was so fun it's like well no actually you ended up like throwing up in this random guy's apartment for two hours afterwards and then collapsing and it's like well no so that wasn't really a fun time and you just have to realize that these fun times that you kind of reminisce with they're not always fun 
Yeah. You know. I'm glad that you said that. You know, we call that in recovery. We often we often call it playing the tape and stuff yeah. like that. And and um, every now and again, and this often happens, like when I'm when I'm getting out of the water after surfing. Every now every now and again, you know, I'll see someone with a cold Coors or something. Like you know, that looks pretty good. Or I see someone driving by in a boat. There's a couple of dudes with a bunch of chicks, and they're like having the time of their life. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is I'm temporarily in that boat, and then I'm probably off to Las Vegas. I'm in a hotel suite with people I shouldn't be with, uh, sweating, it's 5 a.m., and the sun's coming through, and I've got these giant piles of powder, and here we go again. Absolutely. That doesn't sound too cool, does it? No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) No, and it's like, you don't think in the moment where it's like, oh, it's just just one. Like, you can say that to yourself all day, but it's it's never just one. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, I I used to say, God, if I just would have stopped at 12 vodka tonics... Right. Right. And only done about 14 lines of blow, I right. probably would have made it to my business appointment the next day. And what I've learned in recovery, and it sounds to me like you've both learned this, it's not the 12th one or the 8th, it's the 1st. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. Dude, I am, um, let me let me ask you one more thing, and that is, is your family pretty pretty proud of you? Are they stoked that, that, that you're sober? Yeah, yeah, because it's like, I, while I was using, they they didn't really say all that much in terms of like, um, you know, telling me I had to stop or things like that. But as soon as I kind of got sober and I got um, like wrapped up in this new lifestyle and just this better life in a thousand different respects, all of a sudden they're like, I'm so glad you finally did this. You're doing great. And I'm like, oh, so everybody could see that this had to happen <laughs> other than me. Okay. And it's like, the elephant was in the room, and oh, yeah. they, they, they knew about the elephant, oh, yeah. and the elephant was you, Yeah, right? so it's like, I mean, I'm pretty lucky that um, they were so supportive, and I'm just, I'm just super lucky, you know, because there's, there's a lot of harm that you do to relationships when you're in active addiction, um, but, you know, through, through the steps for me personally, and just kind of racking up some time, like, I've been able to repair those pretty well, so I'm thankful for that. Now, how, now how awesome is that? Um, talking about Ethan's commenting on on how the uh, how the recovery process has helped bring you know relationships back into into your life and and that's one of the beautiful things you know I thought that I had I distanced myself from so many people and um, I think that's one of the it's one of the wonderful things we get to experience as a result of it to have these people that we either scared or we bummed them out or whatever all these this myriad of things you know, emotionally we could have done to people, but so often we're able to get them back on some level, and I think that's super cool. I I think you're a freaking rock star, dude. Thanks, man. Are, are you going to come to Long Beach and hang out with us and come to a gig? <laughs> Never been to California, but... Do you ever want to come? I need to, yeah. Because this guy over here, <laughs> he wants to come out and surf, and, and he's got some relatives <laughs> in Costa Mesa, yep. and, uh, and Taylor's got my word when he comes out there, we're going to hit a meeting, and we're going to go... We're going to go uh, jump into God's bathtub. That would be the Pacific Ocean, by the way. <laughs> and we're going to paddle around and score some waves, and, and, and you're welcome to come out anytime, too. That sounds great. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of you for your recovery and the example that you're setting for young people. I, it never ceases to impress me because this is something that it just wasn't on my radar at your age. And so I'm super stoked to know you, man, and I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight. Are you Absolutely. coming tonight? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Yeah, Good stuff. 
that was Ethan, you guys. Now we got Ethan out of the way. He's still going to stick around for a Move on to my man Taylor over here. And Taylor is, uh, is, a, is a hugely responsible for getting this thing going tonight. And Taylor, I want to thank you so much for, you know, you said you've seen the film a couple of times. Yep. And uh, where did you where did you first see it? Um, at the AHRE conference in Keystone. Yeah, for the student summit. Um, yeah, we saw the film. Saw you speak. We loved it. Um, we showed it once here before, and this will be the second time. And I've seen it another time personally. So God, it's already been shown here. I hope at least four or five people show up tonight. I think we might we might do a little better <laughs> than four or five. If we do seven or eight, I'm stoked. Awesome. I'm really thankful that you and your crew didn't throw anything at me while I was talking in Keystone. I was very nervous. <laughs> you guys were giving me those looks. I wasn't giving any looks. I can't speak I'll for the rest. It. But <laughs> I remember. It. I was very intimidated by all, you, by, by all you sober guys. They were getting very upset. I could see it. I could feel it. No, that was an excellent <laughs> talk. That's what made us, made us want to bring you here. We came back. We told the coordinator, like, we need to do this. Like, this was awesome. So... I'm grateful yes. to, 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 to not only know you, but to have the opportunity to be amongst you guys uh, this evening. And, uh, you know, Taylor and I had a chance to hang out at this super cool coffee shop across from the university. It's called Espresso Royale. Yes. Right? Espresso Royale. They've got a little <laughs> fireplace in there and stuff. It's like, I didn't want to leave there. I wish we could have done the podcast there. But uh, um, the, one of the things, it, just like with Ethan uh, and then Taylor, I've just heard this this immense amount of gratitude for his recovery. And Taylor, you've you got a little more than three years? Yes. Give yep. me some. Thank you. That's freaking awesome. Thank you. Congratulations. And uh, you mentioned on our walk over here that, that you're from Ohio. Uh, I was born there, yeah. I stayed there for three or four years and then came here. So you're from mainly Michigan. from here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, the graphical, you were asking, like, about the weather. We were talking about it being hot and muggy here, and I was like, it's the same there, here, so. Yeah, we could be filming a, a, an episode of, from Miami Vice here in Michigan today. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's cold outside, but the humidity is like 98%. Thank God I brought in another change of clothes. Yes. I, I look like I just went to 24-hour fitness and failed miserably at it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, tell us tell us a little bit, um, real quick, how old are you? Uh, I'm 20, about I, to turn 21 in November. Okay, I can't ask the girls that, but it's okay to ask dudes how old they are. <laughs> so you got sober 18? Uh, 17, yeah, 17. <laughs> You know, both of you guys, you're really showing me up here big time. You know, you're so far ahead of me, and and it's so beautiful, though. Yeah, we're all on our path. You know, we all got our, we, we all have our own path, and so you came in at 17, and tell tell the listeners and tell me what what brought you in, man. Um, so I took my first drug when I was about 12. Um, pretty much instantly fell in love with it. Um don't know why just wired in my brain I guess um, and continued to keep using um, things got pretty pretty bad uh, the relationship with my mom got really bad um, she my father passed away from an overdose so she wasn't having any of the experimenting or any of that I'm sorry to hear that if you don't um, uh, how old were you when when your dad passed uh, I want to say I was three or four okay. but I don't really remember much because he was very much in his active addiction so wasn't really around much 
So you and mom, though, are tight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so and her and I, only child, so. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, moms have a special place in my heart, and, and so carry on, man. Uh, yeah, so her and I, like I said, she wasn't having any of the, oh, I'm just experimenting with different things, like, it, I was far past that anyway, um, but you were a professional at a young age. Oh yeah, yeah. By by fourteen, I was definitely like in it for real. So, um, yeah, things just got really out of hand, really out of control. Um, I was running away from home because my mom was allowing me to do what I wanted, uh, which I thought was crazy. But who knows? You're supposed to listen to your parents when you're fourteen. <laughs> Did you? Were some friends, you know, you got sober so young, but were some friends of yours that had known you all these years, were the ones that weren't really in that, you know, in the big leagues, so to speak, yeah. of doing that stuff, were some of them tripping out going, Taylor, dude, yeah, this just, yeah, can, it can, ended can up, you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, which is, I'm glad you brought it up, because I don't really think about that often, but it, it was... I played hockey all my life, so I had these, like, excellent bonds. I love hockey. Yeah, me too. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, tell yeah, tell yeah. us. Go um, so I played hockey all my life, and I had, like, these bonds. I'd be on teams for years with these kids, and most of them generally were pretty decent athletes that, like, like respected their bodies and stuff like that. I gotta stop so, you really quick. Yeah, Taylor's like six foot freaking six. So on <laughs> skates, you guys on skates, he's probably like Shaquille. I met this dude at the coffee shop. I felt like I was five four. So this guy playing hockey must have been a freaking yeah, beast. Yeah, I was told it was a little intimidating at times. <laughs> no shit. And I used to be a little stockier, so it was. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. So, um, so your friends are are, are kind of they're seeing the change. Yeah. Right, of, yeah. It ended up negative really, change, right? Yeah. By the time I was fifteen, so that was actually one of my consequences. My mom had no idea what to do with me. I was totally out of control. Uh, refused to cooperate with anything that she tried to lay out to protect me. Ultimately, um, so she was like. She didn't want to threaten hockey. Like, that was the last thing she wanted to do because she knew it was, like, one of my most supportive, like, thing, good things going for me. And she told me, like, I'm done. Like, I cannot do this. After years of threatening, like, you're done with hockey. You're done with hockey if you keep using. Ultimatums don't really work when you're in active addiction. So it's I ended up giving – Yeah, great I ended comment. up giving up hockey. Like, I was just like, whatever, I want to do what I, I, I'm going to use, so hockey's out the window. Can, can you, is it okay if you share a little bit about what, what kind of stuff, things were you dabbling with? Um, I mean, marijuana is my drug of choice, but I was doing anything I can get my hands on. I was very broke at the time. Obviously, my mom was giving me zero dollars, negative dollars, actually. She was taking my valuables so that they didn't get sold or whatever. So I was very much dependent on cheaper forms of using, I guess. Okay. Well, see, we don't have to let the whole cat out of the bag, but I, I got to ask you this. How does one play hockey and smoke pot? Because if, you, if I was playing hockey and smoking weed, I'd be calling dominoes, right, as I'm trying to, like, scoot around the ice because that's all I ever did was eat pizza and go to sleep. You would it didn't be... affect you that way, did it? Uh, it did at times, but you would be very surprised at the amount of people that I played. So there were good influences, but there were also bad influences on in hockey. And a good amount smoked, surprisingly. I okay. don't know, maybe 
I don't know. Were, were you drinking too? Uh, yeah, here and there. It wasn't my it wasn't my primary choice though. I wasn't super into that. If it yeah. was around though, I was drinking it. <laughs> All right, I'm just trying to put the pieces. You just work with me here, yeah. here, Taylor. You're always fighting me. Every time that we get together, there's always there's something. I'm just trying to we're trying to get along right now. Yeah. Can we get along? Oh yeah. All right. All right. Let's get back to that then. So, kidding, kidding, you guys. Okay. <laughs> This guy's awesome. So, so mom pulls away hockey. Yeah, and then which I don't blame her. She she had I don't no blame other her either. choice either at that point. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see you take a stick while you're high and and, and, and open up a jugular vein yeah. to somebody. That, that that wouldn't be good. But how long after that did um, was recovery around the corner for you around um, that time? No, unfortunately not. I was completely delusional. I thought that. Everyone else was wrong, and my way of life was correct. Um, that it was ridiculous that hockey was taken away from me because I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, so I was very uh, obstinate and like not cooperative with that, um, and ended up taking multiple uh, police calls, multiple hospital visits, um, just from my insanity to finally, um, I was missing school so much that I was incorrigible by the courts. Um, so I now was in the legal system for being incorrigible, which means like not cooperating at home, not going to school. I love that word. Yeah. I was incorrigible for decades. I was absolutely <laughs> incorrigible. Um, Don is going, what is wrong with these guys? <laughs> I didn't know that I was, that was even a thing. So I thought it was kind of a joke. Uh, I went to court. I was I was in the court system at this point. Um, was claimed to be incorrigible. I don't know if it was a chart. I, I don't know, but I was incorrigible and I was put on probation. Um, I thought it was total BS. Uh, refused to get clean and that landed me a violation of probation, which landed me in a eight month treatment slash uh, is I don't know if lockups the correct term but it was like a it was a mandatory treatment is that what started your recovery did you so, ultimately stay sober from that uh, I didn't stay sober from that no but it really gave me the tools and the foundation for what I needed it took me a, I, I really needed it like as much as I disliked it um, as much as I was very resentful towards my mom and I felt obviously it wasn't my fault that I was there. Someone else, it was someone else's fault. Uh, I'm being kidding, it was totally my fault. But at the time, that's what I, I thought. Um, I, no, I ended up staying there for eight months and I really enjoyed being clean. Um, I got a job out of there. I graduated high school there early because I was there for so long and I was clean and I'm, I was doing good. Was it a sense of, you know, you were enjoying being clean. You know, you were you're getting stuff done again, mm -hmm. and, yep. and we just feeling a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I felt great. I had money. I got a job. I was saving money because obviously I wasn't spending it. Um, I did not want to go back there, and I was on probation when I got out. So they were like, you need to stay clean. Like you, and my intention was to stay clean. I... I didn't grasp recovery. Uh, I didn't go to meetings, which is like my primary form of recovery, but I enjoyed being clean and having the courts hang over my head knowing 
when I knew after being there for eight months, like I wasn't going back. So I stayed clean. Um, I had money. I was feeling great and got off probation. And I truly did not think that I was going to use. I went to work. Who knows how my old friends, like I, I didn't even talk to these people barely. And they knew I was off probation. So they hit me up. They picked me up from work, and I got high. And it was day, time to rage. The day after probation, <laughs> I I left my work, and I got high. And the craziest thing, and I share this, is that I know I'm an addict because I, I smoked my drug of choice, marijuana, and I hated it because I knew the recovery stuff that I was taught. I was super high. Like, I literally, because I hadn't smoked in almost... It was over a year, so I I hated it. I seriously was like, this is the worst feeling, and I had to go back to work. So you were bombed. Oh yeah, I was. I just hated. I felt sick. It was just the worst experience ever. So I was like, this is horrible. I'm not doing this. Like I'm good. I this is horrible. Sober up, and then I was like, you know what? I hated it. I can't be an addict if I hated doing it. If I was an addict, I would have loved it. So why not keep smoking? So, okay, so you had this horrible, ex- I understand that. People used to say to me all the time, like, what is wrong with you? And I would just simply go, I don't know. Like, what is wrong with you? Dude, you're, you're taking off all of your clothes, walking around Belmont Shore to go get more beer, like, I mean, naked. Yeah. You have an issue. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't see what the problem is. And so sometimes, often, would you agree with this, that everyone who, whether they're are, are friends who aren't in the disease or parents and stuff, they see the world so much more clearly and we don't. Yeah. Yet we think it's what's, it's fine on our end. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the disease of addiction. It's, it's selfish. We think that, in, at least in my experience, I thought that the world revolved around me, that it was just me and I needed to look out for me and that everyone who was in my way was irrelevant and in my way and needed to get out. Now, I can tell just by our, our coffee meeting at uh, Espresso Royale, <laughs> located near Michigan State University, I can tell that uh, that you've got really good recovery. And most important, and this is, applies to both you and Ethan, you guys just seem like great, just like you're grateful and happy. And that is, uh, and it took me a long time to become grateful and happy. I don't know if it's because of the damaged brain, whatever I was going through, whatever. I, I can't. We all have our own experience, but you've got really good recovery, and it shows. And so, this next time around, did you just embrace? Did you looked at it differently when when you got sober, right? Yeah. So where I left off, my mom kind of, she found out within a three weeks all that money I had saved from being on probation and working for like eight months was gone. Like I I just went from zero to hundred and days and I was back and more to what I was doing before I got clean so I kind of got into that F you I'm doing what I want again mood um and my mom just was like I was driving at the time I got my license and she was like I'm taking your car I'm taking everything like this I'm done if you want to do this like you're gone like I can't do this so she took all my stuff and I was kind of just grounded I guess you can say I don't know I had nothing um and she was like if you want 
it, if you want some of your stuff back, and I was in community college at the time, which was six miles away, I had no car, so I was biking every morning to school to try to show her that, like, I can do this, I'm, like, I'm using, but I'm good, which I wasn't, <laughs> but, like, that was my thought, it's, like, if I have some social acceptability, like, maybe, you know, I can, I can get by, anyway, I was riding six miles there, six miles back, and she's, like, if you want your car back, like, you need to at least act like you want something, like, this is just, like, I, I'm not just gonna let you sit here and give you your car back, so I ended up going to my first meeting, and, uh, that really was what what did it for me. Someone came up to the meeting after, was like, "Hey, I've noticed you're new. Like, a couple of us are going out to eat. Do you want to come?" And I was very, um, I felt very welcome, very shocked. My mom was out in the car waiting for me. She dropped me off, so I had to decline. But that alone was just like, this random person I've never met before sees that I'm in a, a pretty bad situation and invites me out to eat and offered to pay. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this, these people are pretty decent. Maybe I'll come back. And then I came back, and I stayed ever since. Yeah, that, that's a great story. And, and what I want, I, I want to, I want to compliment your mom. Oh yeah, she is. Your mom is, is is a rock star in, yeah. my, in my in my estimation because what I love about she was putting down firm boundaries mm -hmm. and 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 that's something that you know I deal with often so much enableism mm -hmm. and so much you know sick codependency type stuff and I just think that's super cool that she's like you know what Taylor no yeah you know to strip it's important to 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 to, to draw a line when things are going down it's like if you're not going to be doing the right thing so I applaud that, yeah. you know, and of course you're probably going screw this. Oh, this is yeah, this is all yeah, yeah. this is all BS. And so, um, and you've been sober ever since, and and you you, you wear recovery really really well. Literally, look at that. <laughs> Spartans will recover. <laughs> How do I score one of those? Uh, we have some in the lounge. We might be able to hook you up with. Do you have one for a really big fat guy? Like we, like, I think we can make something. <laughs> so, speaking of big and fat, so I I, I want to go back to this hockey thing. I, I, I always play these silly movies in my head because because I'm I'm just an idiot. So I like to. What would it be like if you had a big fat guy like me in goal, with a pizza in one hand, a bong in the other, just kind of pick up a stick? Could I block shots very well doing that? Well, if it's a glass bong, you might have problems. <laughs> a real thinker right here. I'm glad Ethan's finding this funny. So. Uh, so you've been sober for over three years, and, and, and Ethan was talking about it a minute ago, and I loved hearing about you know his connection to people here yeah. on campus, which helps you guys thrive yes. in your sobriety. Can you can you comment a little bit about that as far as the impact that the CRC has on you, and and like how you're doing what you're doing here? Yeah, it was seriously this was amazing. So I was like I was saying I was in community college. Um, had about a year sober. Um, I was like, okay, I think I'm I'm doing well. I was actually embracing recovery. I I wanted it this time, so I was like, I'm gonna start applying for some some college, like universities. Um, looked and applied here because they had a good program. I'm uh, environmental science major, so I was like, this will be great. I can do. They have a good program here. Um, I kind of just applied on a whim, and it was close enough to my, it was about an hour away from my hometown, so recovery-wise, I knew I could be, it wasn't like a huge adjustment, 
Um, so I applied, got accepted, was super excited, but I was like, oh crap, like I'm moving away from everything that I knew, everything that helped get me clean, all the people, yeah. all the meetings that I went to, just my whole network. Um, so the first thing I did, I was like, recovery at MSU. And boom, popped up uh, the MSU Collegiate Recovery Community. I was like, this is a thing? I had no idea. So I clicked yeah. on it, called, um, emailed the, the court, or no, I emailed the student leader at the time, um, Greg. And I was like, hey, I'm a new student. I really want to get involved. I'm in recovery, whatever. And uh, got a call the next day. He's like, hey, man, come up. Like, come up. I'll show you campus. I'll show you our lounge space. Like, told me about the, the program. And I was like, okay, like, I feel I feel good about this. So I went, met Greg. He showed me all. Campus is huge. We have 50,000 students. And it's... This place is massive. Yeah, it's, it's big. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this is yeah, a whole yeah, different deal. Yeah, so he took me around, drove... We longboarded, actually, around campus. We sh- uh, He showed me all the, the buildings. I told him where, like, my classes were supposed to be. He showed me... And uh, that was really what like made me feel like I was gonna be okay that I could that I could do this. Yeah. yeah. What a what what a gift that is to to have that moment where I love what you just said. I was gonna be okay here. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell that Ethan's okay. I can tell that Taylor's okay because you've got this sense of community here, and um, it's it's just it's super cool to see these things in colleges because. I think all of them need it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would you agree with that? 100%. I mean, this was the, not only for the support for the students, but I mean, I'm kind of like plugging it here, but like the colleges, like people suck. Like they seek this. Um, People, we have recovery housing now. And we have gotten so much traction um, of people actually just looking into our CRC and looking at and coming to the school because of what we offer. What if I became like the oldest Michigan State University student ever and rolled in and, and like and like you know go to school here? And I can live in that pad, you you know, because I can come here and finish college. It sounds like you should. Could we hang, Ethan? That. Would you hang out with me? Absolutely, every day. Yeah, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> He said every day, Taylor probably about maybe once, twice a month. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I guess. Apparently, we don't get along when we see each other from what you said earlier. You know what? That was an absolute untruth. I know. It was an untruth. I and, know. Um, I'm, uh, you know, sharing, both of you guys sharing your stories, uh, I think, it, it is, is a great example of young people getting sober and doing this deal. And I can tell you guys are beyond reasonably happy. Is that right, Ethan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, of course there's times where it's like, I mean, the problem with addiction too is like, you have this cloud where you wonder all the time, like, is this really better? But it's like, after you kind of get through that wall and just realize like, well, I remember what I did last night, so that's a plus. And it's like, you kind of realize, of course it's better, so. This is where I get the opportunity to tell you that, uh, it's a lot better, oh, yeah. and you're avoiding at least twenty something odd years of misery. Uh, you know what I mean? We, we we just go on and on, and our lives get worse, right? And and and, and uh, you know, we all again have our own stories. And I just think it's so bitching that you guys have found recovery, and and I'm I'm stoked about later on tonight. Yeah. Um, for those of you who might be in the Michigan area, we're gonna see this. 
Well, you did a great job on this flyer. We're going to be checking this film out at 5.30 tonight and hanging out. Uh, where is it? It's going to be at the South South Kedzie Hall, yep. room S107. And again, that's at 5.30 tonight. And um, I am, uh, I'm blessed, and it's, a, and it's a privilege to be hanging out with you two guys and to, and to share with myself and all the listeners how, how college students are killing it in sobriety. And I want to just... Uh, I want to congratulate you guys and let you let you both know I'm proud of you for getting sober at a young age, and uh, and I'm stoked to know you both. Thank you. We're glad you came. We're excited. And thank you for being on the program today. Of course. Thanks for coming. We'll wrap up in just one second here. Thank you, Ethan, and thank you, Taylor. Once again, if you guys need some help with detox, hit up Ascension. My guys in Huntington Beach, 800-293-2133. And for an excellent level of care, Roots Through Recovery. 866-ROOTS-76. Taylor, grab me that white t-shirt over there. We're going to close it out with talking about the Knoll Family Foundation. This is, the Knoll Family Foundation is essentially going to be Bradley's house, and it's the first, it's going to be the first treatment center of its kind in the world. It treats opiate-addicted musicians, specifically suffering from opiate addiction. It'll be opened up in South Orange County in San Juan Capistrano to be exact. If you guys want a Bradley's House t-shirt, go to the nofamilyfoundation.org. And all donations are tax deductible. And this artwork is by the legendary Opie Ortiz, who is, if you guys don't know him, this guy did the 40 Ounces of Freedom artwork and a whole bunch of other things. The guy's one of the best artists that I know. So check out the nofamilyfoundation.org. And thank you guys for joining us today for our program here at Michigan State University. And I'm going to go and get on with this humid day out here. Want to go get something to eat in a minute? Sure. What do you think? Yeah, get our grub on? Yeah, I got a minute. I'm going to go out some food with these guys. Maybe Don will come with us too. And so you guys, thanks for joining us today. And, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks.